My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. My sermon this morning is entitled, Two Masters, and I'll be speaking primarily from the passage we heard from the Gospel of Luke. When I was living in Florida many, many years ago now, I worked for a timeshare sales resort. Please save your booze. I was not in sales, so my soul is still worth saving, thanks be to God. I told a version of this story to the contrabands this morning, but I was sent to a resort to take this one department that was known to be particularly troublesome and bring them up to what had become uh, our new corporate standard. And so when I got there, I was very zealous and probably approached things a little bit too, uh, how, how, how can we say, I, I was a little... I walk like a bull in a china shop kind of thing. I should have been a little bit more circumspect in how I did things. But I had a promise from like one of the VPs, like, You're, you report to me, nobody else. So you do what you need to do. And I was like, okay, if that's what you want. So I get to the place and uh, we start trying to make some changes in the department. And what happened was I, as their, as their boss, would tell them, okay, here's the corporate standards. And this is what we need to be, uh, need to be doing now. So then they would take what I said and then they would run to the person I was supposedly under at that resort, and then it would, which I was under, but it was kind of not explained to me or communicated or, well, we'll get to that in a second. And I said, he told us to do this. And she said, well, no, don't listen to him. Do it like this. So everything I was trying to train them to do was being undercut by somebody else. So they, in a sense, had two bosses. They had me, and then they had this other person. And you could probably imagine how this ended up. Things did not really go well, and after about a year, uh, I took a position with uh, a different company and moved on, and um, my life got incredibly uh, much better after, after that. But you could see what kind of position that they were in. Like, well, who's my boss? Is it you or her? Is it you or her? And it was kind of hard for them to kind of, kind of navigate that. I mean, and that's a, a, not a great example, right? Like you push any example to the breaking point, but I think it kind of illustrates a little bit what Jesus is trying to say here when he was telling him that nobody can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. And in the gospel reading this morning, we heard read the parable of the dishonest steward or the dishonest manager. And in this parable, Jesus told a story of a rich man who had a manager who oversees all of his possessions. Maybe a modern-day equivalent would be, you know, maybe your, your account manager or someone who has a power of attorney over your property. The point being, he had access to the rich man's goods and finances, and he ran them. However, he was not taking care of the rich man's possessions the way he should have and was using them for his own gain. This is why the text says, charges were brought to the rich man that the manager was wasting his possessions. So the rich man confronts the manager about what he's been doing, and he says, you're fired. And the manager does a self-assessment. 
He doesn't want to go into manual labor. He's like, I don't want to do construction because I'm not strong enough. I don't want to have to do anything that'll expend my energy, right? Because I'm lazy. I'm not strong, you know. And I don't want to beg either because that would shame me, right? I'm part of this rich man's house, so maybe he has some degree of status. To be kicked out of this house, he's now sort of on the street begging. He's like, I don't want to do that either. So then he gets an idea. He hatches a scheme so that he can leave his job and immediately move into another job to create a safety net for himself. So what he does is he calls all of the people who owe his boss money. And he says to the first one, hey, how much do you owe? And the guy says, I owe him 100 measures of oil. So the manager says, okay, take the bill and scratch off 100 and then write in uh, 50. And then he says to somebody else, how much do you owe? And the debtor says, well, I owe him 100 measures of wheat. So he's like, okay, take that bill, scratch that out and put in 80. Write that instead. The question is, why would he do this? Well, because he's looking for a place to land. He's creating a safety net. He knows if he can make his master's debtors owe less, it would make them inclined maybe to hire him, even if he had defrauded his masters, his master, because his actions benefited them. It's like back when I got a bad grade on a test and I had to take it to my parents and they had to sign it. And you're looking at me, how did you ever get a bad grade on a test? I did many times. And one time I had to bring it home and have my parents sign it. And, they would, and I had to bring it back to the school. So what do you think I did the one day? I was like, this is a really, really, really bad grade. What I'm going to do, I'm going to look at my mom's signature. And then I'm going to write it myself. So I took a pen. And I wrote my mom's signature on the test. And I handed it in to the teacher. And I totally got away with it. Right? No, I didn't get away with it. I got caught. I got busted. And then they sent it back and I had to show it to my parents anyway. So not only did I get a bad grade, that bad grade was compounded by the fact that I had lied to try to get out of telling them I hadn't gotten a bad grade. So I got into even more trouble than if I would have just given them the test in the first place to sign. I tried to get away with being sneaky. And that's what this guy is basically doing. He's trying to get away with something and he kind of does, which is a little funny. Well, maybe. We, we, don't, we don't really know. So the master actually finds out about this, just how my mom and dad found out how he forged their signature, right? Kids, you'll never get away with it. Your parents will always find out. I say that because we have kids here today. And all the parents said, amen. Amen. So he actually, when he finds out about it, he commends the dishonest manager because of his cleverness. Right? He probably still fires him. Why wouldn't you? Like, you should, right? This guy definitely deserves to be fired. But still, he can appreciate the shrewdness that the manager displayed, even when that shrewdness was dishonest. Jesus then uses this story to make a point about faithfulness. He says, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in which, that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Jesus makes a very interesting point here. He says that those who are faithful with the little they have been given, that faithfulness will carry over when they're given more. 
Since they use the little that they have been given responsibly and ethically and with care, those who do so will be given more to do the same thing with. Because you can give them more because you know that what you give them in increase, their level of responsibility and ethics and care will carry over. But he observes that this is also true for those who are dishonest. If they use the little that they've been given to steward things irresponsibly, unethically, and uncaring, then that's going to carry over too. Right? You don't want to give unethical, dishonest people more and more and more <laughs> if they haven't shown themselves responsible and ethical with the little that they have. And all the business owners who are here can say amen. <laughs> when I was writing this sermon, something popped into my mind. There was a, uh, a, a businessman named uh, Barry Minkow. Everybody heard that name? He had a company and he went to fraud to the tune of millions upon millions of dollars because he created a Ponzi scheme. So then after he gets out of prison, he, well, he meets Jesus. I'm saying this in air quotes for those who listen to the sermon, right? And he becomes a pastor of a church. And you think, well, that, that turned out pretty well for him. Well, wait, the story gets a little bit better. He then becomes a fraud investigator to help um, the feds like, identify people who are committing fraud. But while he's doing all this, what do you think he was doing to the finances of the church? He was defrauding the church that had hired him. And he's taking the money for himself. He gets caught for something else that he's doing. He gets in trouble, goes to prison. When he goes to prison, they find out, oh, the church was, he's, was being defrauded this whole time too. He was shrewd for a time, but his dishonesty caught up with him. And he was exposed over and over and over again. And the pattern of dishonesty continues on. The reason why this is important, because this carries over into the spiritual life too. Not just with uh, our, our, the, uh, with money and position, provisions and stuff like that, right? Jesus said, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, in other words, if you have not been using what you have been given responsibly, then why would you be entrusted with the true riches? If what we have is given by others and we're not faithful with that, then why would we deserve to receive something, receive something for ourselves? So then we ask ourselves, well, what is true riches that he's talking about here? Well, the true riches is eternal life. Jesus asks elsewhere, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Our souls are to gain life in Christ and to lose the world. We are to become rich towards God and poor towards the world. We receive true riches, Christ himself and salvation through Christ's incarnation, his death and resurrection. We receive that gift through faith and through the waters of baptism. And we take that inestimable, immeasurable, never-ending gift and we proclaim it to others. And then by our faithfulness, we serve Christ by serving those in need. See, if we serve God, then what we have been given, both spiritually and materially, will be used for his purposes. This is why Jesus says, no man can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. If we serve God, then what he gives us will be held with open hands. If we serve money or mammon, what we have been given will be held with closed hands and held on tightly. 
eventually only to be taken away. And this is present even in the church. I talked to the contraband today and I said, if you ever watch Christian television or you have family members who watch Christian television, if you ever hear a preacher say, if you give me like $1,000, God will give you $10,000. What do you think about that? And Caden goes, it's a, it's a scam. And I was like, very good. It is a scam. I'm like, how much Christian television have you watched? He's like, none. I'm like, good, keep it up. <laughs> Unless it's like The Chosen or something, right? But don't watch TV preachers. That's like the number one sign that you should turn off the TV. Because for many TV preachers, they are not serving God. They are serving money. But they're using God as a means to get money. We can't, well, that's obviously a sin, right? That's obviously something that's very, very, very wrong. They don't serve God. They serve money. They serve themselves. They try to enrich themselves. And if you watch a TV preacher or something, be like, well, mine's good. I mean, they might be good. Like, generally speaking, there are a couple of bright spots here. But by and large, most of the big famous ones are the ones that are always asking for money. Anyway. You cannot serve God and money. Because when we serve two masters, then both of them are going to make demands of us. And then we have to choose which one we want to, to follow. So what you have to do, what eventually will happen, is one of them will receive the bulk of your love. The bulk of, well, not love, but the bulk of your um, obedience. The bulk of your, uh, your okay, I, I agree to work with you and, and, and go this way. Both will pull, and you might try to do both, but eventually... You're going to be pulled in a different direction. It's sort of like a movie, right, with an undercover police officer, right, where he, where he goes into the mob or whatever. And, you know, he's, he's being pulled one way to do crime, and he has to kind of be in the gang and do bad things so they won't think he's a cop. But then he's also devoted to the police because he believes in justice or whatever, and he's trying to, to you know, have these people arrested and work for justice or something like that. And both kind of pull at them. It's, it's kind of like that. Eventually, we have to choose one way or the other. We can only serve one master. Is it Bob Dylan? He's like, you can serve the devil, or you can serve the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. And what's interesting about what we heard from the reading from Amos, the Old Testament is, he says this in verse 4, Hear this, you who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, When will the new moon be over that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath that we may offer wheat for sale? The, the point of this passage that we heard read from the book of Amos is, God is taking the wealthy to task because they've trampled over the needs of the poor. Because the wealthy were given much. And because they were given much, it was their responsibility to share it with those who did not have much of anything. They were blessed. But instead of using what they were given to be a blessing and to help others, they used it to continually enrich themselves and to continually push the poor deeper and deeper into poverty. God does not like this, right? God is concerned with how his saving acts for us motivate us and guide us and encourage us to help those in need. See, if we serve ourselves, if we serve our own needs, we will forever be blind to the needs of others. And we will miss the glory of eternity prepared for us. We will miss the glory of the true riches. Because if Christ can, in the words of St. Paul, lay aside his divine prerogatives as God to take on human nature... 
that we can use everything he has given us faithfully in service to him and not to ourselves. And so to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy good and life-creating spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Zion's Stone Church. We're in the middle of a building repair campaign, and if you'd like to help, please go to www.gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We'd appreciate anything you'd be able to donate. If you're ever in the area, you're always welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. God bless you.